Welcome to Fond the Brooker Inn, uh, the finale there of the latest Tales from the Brookers Live. Um, it's been an entertaining night, hasn't it, Mike? Yes, yes. Those of you who weren't familiar with uh, Dennis Booth before this evening will certainly be familiar with him now. But what I loved about him is that guy's passion for football is still burning incredibly bright and strong. And it was, um, yeah, contagious, contagious, really, really good fun. We uh, had uh, three uh, ex-captains uh, on the stage with Adam Leventhal uh, launching the brand new Tales from the Vicarage captain's book. Uh, there was uh, Dennis Booth, uh, one of the first captains under Graham Taylor. Rob Page, who was the double promotion captain uh, in the late 90s. Uh, as well as Gavin Marne, the man who lifted the trophy alongside Eddie Boothroyd uh, at Cardiff in 2006. Jason, there, we, we, we got to chat to them, uh, which we'll, you'll hear uh, in, the, in the coming minutes uh, on this podcast. Just great hearing more former Watford players talk about our club you know, with, with a lot of fondness. Absolutely, and, and sort of from uh, across many eras as well. So this is, I think it's probably the, the first one that we've been to where we've had someone from before our era that none of us have seen. So for us, I think it's interesting to hear stories from before we were fans of the club. And, and uh, Dennis has been a, a marvellous orator, shall we say. <laughs> uh, and, and his stories were, were absolutely fantastic, as were listening to Rob and Gavin talk about Stories that we wouldn't have been aware of from times when we uh, we were watching games at Watford. Yeah. And just and two blokes that have lifted trophies for Watford. You know, Rob Page obviously at Wembley and and Gavin Mahon that most unexpected promotion under under Aidy. And it just you know you're hearing from talking to us. I don't know if it come across, but talking to them about lifting trophies in a Watford shirt and you know they're they're those moments that we lived for as as kids growing up and we still look back fondly. Everyone probably checks it out on YouTube every now and again. So just to hear it in their own words, what it's like to to experience that sort of thing playing for our club, probably the proudest moment of their careers. I, I guess it's really really great and just yeah. Three important people. So this podcast will be our interviews that we did backstage here at Palace Theatre. Thank you again to Adam Leventhal for, for giving us the access uh, to speak to these boys. Up first, Robert Page. Uh, we spoke to him before he went on stage. As we already said, Robert was the captain uh, under Graham Taylor for the 98 and 99 promotions. Back to back, that got Watford to the Premiership way back then. Uh, but he was a, a captain through... He was a captain throughout uh, his time here at Watford, uh, through the youth systems and uh, beyond when he went to uh, other clubs. He's currently manager of the Wales under-21s, but also had spells as manager at Port Vale and at Northampton. And this is how the chat went. Rob, uh, you're back uh, with a Watford audience. Not quite the same as as before, but are you you looking forward to it? I am, it's always nice to come back to Watford, um, it's my first club, it's, a, it's a, a club that every week I look out for the results um, and it's always nice to come back and class it as, uh, yeah, as my home club. So um, tonight's all about captains um, and you were made captain at Watford at a very young age, how did you feel about that when you, when you learned that you were going to be captain? Well, extremely proud. I think when you're captain of any team, I was captain of the youth teams under Kenny Jacket. Kenny Jacket developed through the youth teams to the, to the reserves and then to the first team under Graham Taylor. And then the, I think the first thing he did was appoint me as captain. He knew me as a character. So um, just extremely, extremely proud to be captain of any team. But when you're captain at a young age of a first team um, like Watford, um, 
like I said, it just fills you with a, an enormous amount of pride. And there's on field, I think it's probably fairly obvious what the captain's role is. Have a go at the ref every now and again, and keep keep your keep your players, keep the motivation going, all that sort of stuff. But is there any other? What are the other stuff that that captains have to deal with that we might not necessarily know about? Organising Christmas parties is an important part. The so social secretary. The fancy dress, absolutely. No, what you do is you delegate to, to other people, other busy players that enjoy that side of it. So, no, I think it's just really you, you're trying to mirror what the manager wants. You know, his beliefs, his, his philosophy, how he wants to uh, go about his job. And it's important that you're that message in the changing room when he's not there. Um, and, and working together as a team with the manager. Could you say you came through the ranks at Watford with Kenny and, and Graham around? So when you became. You know, Watford captain, you, you know, would have known about what they wanted, and in terms of from their captain. When you went to other clubs and you were still captain to those clubs, how was that different? Well, I think they they knew me as a character. They they don't just sign somebody on a on a whim, so they do their own work. They find out everything about you. Um, I was captain of every other club that I've, I've played at. Watford, obviously, being my first. I went from there to Sheffield United, and um, there were some big characters in the change room at the time: uh, Lee Sandford, Simon Tracy, Keith Curl. Um, big Sean Murphy all big characters um, and within a few months Neil Warnock had appointed me as captain uh, Mickey Adams done it the same at, at Coventry when I got, when I went there you just got to be who you are you just got to lead by example and, uh, and and make sure you influence the boys in a positive way I think you achieved every young boy's dream you lifted a trophy at Wembley mm. what was that like? He just said that as Gavin Marm walked in the room as well so. um, but obviously you know the, 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 the pinnacle of my career Um It'd been a busy week for me. I just gave birth. I, I literally didn't. My wife at the time <laughs> just given birth to my first child as well, to my son, um, who was 19 on May the 21st. So um, it was a great week. And then to walk the Wembley steps and lift the cup and, and get us promoted was was the icing on the cake to an incredible week. You mentioned Gavin there. He obviously had his uh, Millennium Stadium moment and a, and a playoff final. And we know a little bit about the lead up to that, but we don't know so much about the lead up to, to Wembley. And so, what what was a couple of days like before that? And did you get to look around Wembley before or anything like that? Yeah, we did. Yeah, uh, Graham Taylor as well. Like you would, attention to detail, made sure that the training pitch we were on were the identical dimensions to Wembley. Um, we practiced set piece after set piece, and 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 you know we did work on the. The, the Nicky Wright overhead kick albeit it wasn't um, down to that detail of he's going to get an overhead kick but to charge the goalkeeper was a, was a part of it the detail um, so we got the dimensions right we, we practiced the delivery so we could get the, the distance with Peter Kennedy who had a, a wonder of a left foot um, so we had, a, we had a great build up to it and, uh, and like I said we were underdogs going into it we were underdogs for that season having just come up the previous season so you know there was, there was no pressure on us really we, we went and, uh, and we, we played with that with that look about us as well like we had no pressure we went we enjoyed it and, and, and like I said the rest is history Just to take a step back St Andrews what, what was that like? Because those that were there kind of have an idea what it was like but actually you know as a player as a member of the squad what was it like? Yeah, it was incredible um, to go one 0 up in the first leg with the Michelle, Michelle Ongongi header, and then to concede after after a couple of minutes of the game with with you know Delia Debola. Um, then your backs are against the wall. You think you know this is going to be a tough night, but you know we dug deep. We had to at times. We knew we were going to have to. They're a good team, and to come away with with the win ultimately with Chamber making that penalty save was was incredible. And and again, it's you know um, it, it's games that will stay with me forever and your penalty your penalty heart in the mouth ah, it was well placed <laughs> right in the top corner right the end of the bar. I've got to tell you a funny story to this. When, I, when I placed the ball the penalty spot was a disgrace it was like a crater so there was a two inch uh, ditch 
in the penalty spot. And I don't know if you noticed, every player that went up was trying to dig it with their foot because they, they recognised that as well. And as I placed the ball on the penalty spot, I looked up and to the left of the goal, my left, there was a Birmingham City fan with his trousers and pants on his ankles <laughs> slapping his ass. So I had to, stay, I had to try and stay focused. Thankfully, I did. I did have a little chuckle as I, as I turned and walked away. Um, yeah, and, and managed to put it in on the underside of the bar. But the reason it hit the underside of the bar was because of this crater. That's my uh, excuse. Okay. Yeah. But because there's a thing, like after such an emotional sort of end to a game, yeah. you then have to go on to the next game. Mm. But, you know, what I, did, you know, I remember with the, with the second playoff final, the cameras were at that point were in the tunnel. You could see what that was like. What was, it, what's a, what was a, a, the tunnel like? What was the last minutes where you went out onto the Wembley pitch like for that team? Uh, Wembley yeah God, um, it's a bit of a blur if I'm honest it's the, the, the build up the anticipation the nerves it's funny when you get in the changing room and you get your kit on for me anyway I can't speak for everybody else but the nerves seem to subside a little bit and then you just get your, your game head on and, and you're in the zone and you're talking to the players about what's what's expected what we need to do um, and then it's just the excitement and when you walk out I remember I remember watching the game back I've watched it back a few times by the way, <laughs> with the kids whether they like it or not <laughs> and, and leading them out and the commentator says um, I bet it's a fine for anybody who waves nobody's going to wave and as he says that I wave <laughs> <laughs> and I've got battered for it time and time again oh there's the first one Rob <laughs> it, wasn't a, it wasn't a raucous changing room no no not at all quite calm um, we were we were still on a high from the from the, the we were full of confidence you know we'd, we were underdogs like I said we had no right to be there so for us we were just we had the arrogance we were just we were just you know we were absolutely loving it and, and taking it for, for what it was and when you get to the final you think right we've got here we ain't going to let this slip we're going to get one opportunity and, and when Good Johnson misses that chance early on in the game you think do you know what this is it this is our day and then the best part for me then was within the last two minutes of the game they had a shot and uh well, it was later than that. So they had a shot and he went way over the bar. And I remember Chamber um, jumping and shouting, screaming, because he knew that was the final whistle. So I ref, I said, ref, how long's left? And he went, that's it. As soon as he takes the goal kick, I'm blowing. <laughs> and it was then that I took a step back. And while the game was still live and, and watched the crowd and took it all in, and it was the best feeling in the world. Knowing that when Chamber took the goal kick, he blew the whistle and that was it. Yeah, you've mentioned you mentioned um, Graham Taylor a, a few times already. Obviously, yeah. a Watford legend. What are your thoughts and memories of the great man? Well, he is an absolute legend, and and I'm just now I'm in management and coaching, and I just wait, wish I'd paid more attention to what he spoke about in the changing room. Um, he did, he did. I, I say to the, the the other two captains tonight that he donned more than one hat. He wasn't just a manager; he was a coach. He was a father figure. He was he was a psychologist. He was a, a sports scientist. He was everything. And there's there's probably coaches in the Premiership now getting paid six figures to do what he was doing as as one manager back in the day. So I just wish I'd have recorded all the conversations he had so I could take snippets of it now and, and implement them in my coaching and management. But even now, I spoke to Dennis earlier about it, and and he'd done the same in his coaching career. That you, you know you see yourself being like GT. You know, when I coach and, and I organise and I like to nail down the shape that we're going to play and the attention to detail, that's because of what I've had with GT and, you know, I thank him for that. And just looking at your Watford career as, a, as an overall piece uh, of your career, what's your favourite moment apart from lifting the trophy at Wembley and, and perhaps one that you'd rather forget? Oh. Right, here we go. Anfield, 1-0 win in the Premiership. Me and Mark Williams go and make the tackle and Tommy Mooney gets the... The headlines as they normally do the <laughs> forwards. but me and Willow done all the grudge on that one um, that was a great occasion you know to win 1-0 um, we got applauded by the Liverpool fans coming off 
and and the atmosphere and when they sing the song is just yeah, the it, you know it sounds cliche but it's true the ears in the back of your neck stand up and it's it was a great occasion one to forget I remember Kenny Jack his first season I think we played Stockport away um, and for some reason I ended up playing in midfield and uh, I got carried away he said just sit in midfield for me win your headers break break the play up win tackles and give it to the people who can play no problem Ken I got carried away and I started making forward runs <laughs> and uh and and I think I gave a penalty away in the last maybe the last minute of the game I think we still went on to win the game so that was my only saviour because if we hadn't if I give the penalty away to lose the game he'd have been at me and he would have can <laughs> that's what he was like <laughs> so that's probably one of the, the lowest points yeah. so you're, you're in management now um, doing really well um, but knowing what you know now about being a manager and being in charge of a, of a, a football club how would you say that sort of um, dictates your opinion on, Watford have, on what Watford have done staying in the Premier League Oh, I think it's incredible. The seventh in the table at the minute. Um, I was away on holiday recently with the kids and, and uh, bumped into a Watford fan, and we were talking about you know that I think they were top at the time, top of the Premiership. Um, where they've come from when I was here, when I left in two thousand and one, is incredible. What they've done, you know, the players that are attracting to the football club, the wages they can compete with the, the, some of the top clubs. You know, we wouldn't have thought that would be ten, fifteen years ago. So they've come a, a hell of a long way. The, the downside to that is for me when I come to the football club with Tom Wally and Kenny Jackett as youth coaches was seven of the first team at that time were being developed through the youth team um, the flip side to the money being at the club now is they don't have to do that they can go and buy players in and that's a shame for me because I'm in, I'm in development football I come into football because of the development side of it so I would like to see a little bit of a balance shared with regards to investment in development football and I think that's, that's an area that Watford don't do too well um, I'm going to really put you on the spot here so you're back in club management you're bringing your side to Watford how does a, how does a Rob Page side set up to beat Watford oh, the current good squad. question <laughs> good question um, I'd, uh, I'd convince Gareth Bale that he's got to come and play <laughs> um, I don't know I mean listen, any of my teams I, I, like, I like opposition managers to walk off at the end of a game when they've played against one of my teams and go wow they didn't have to work hard for each other and that's what GT was all about as well. He wanted to win every game. He wanted to score more goals than the opposition. Didn't care if he won games five four, but he wanted to score goals. Um, it, uh, you know, so it try and make an entertaining game. Um, but they would they would work hard for each other. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans. for Watford fans from the rookery end. So that was Rob Page lifted two trophies. Uh, Gavin Mahon wasn't quite as fortunate as Watford captain. He only got to lift one trophy. <laughs> Here's what he had to say to us. So, Gavin, you're about to go out there in front of another Watford audience. Um, uh, are you expecting warm, fuzzy things from them because it's a Watford audience? Um, I've, been, I've been sort of prepped beforehand to say it's a good audience, so I'm looking forward to it. Um, when I got the phone call to come down, and uh, it was an easy decision to make. Um, always love coming back down there because I've got some great memories, so looking forward to it. Yeah. When you when you first played for Watford, you were sort of used in a, a number of different positions. How how was that for you as a as a player? It was tough. Um, you know, the sign me as a centre midfield player. Um, I got injured quite early on playing centre half, which was one of my low points. Uh, but I think football. I think you, I mean mentality is so important nowadays. I say to all the young kids that I I sort of look after. Um, you have to be mentally strong in this game. Um, I had to dig deep then because it was an injury. I'd never had an injury before. Moved, to, you know, it was it was new to me, so um, managed to get myself fit, get myself in the midfield, and played in some big games. So 
fond memories. Yeah, you said you, yeah, you said you got signed up for a position, but you got signed by Viali, and quite quickly that changed. And then it, you're basically you're almost the entire time at Watford. It was in some way or form a, a change. But that initially was that you know how did that feel that initially from you know say one manager signs you it's Jean-Luc Viali, and then all of a sudden you, you're there with with Ray Lou, of course, as we know worked out brilliantly, but. How was that as a player? Yeah, I remember getting the phone call from, from Ray Lou and he said, look, Viali's watching you. Um, you know, we've got quite a few players in this team that don't really understand the championship. Um, we know what you're going to get with you. Um, so then before you know it, I was in the door, went to see Luca at his house. Uh, beautiful house, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember actually being in the house, quick story, and uh, he was sat on the sofa talking to me with Ray Wilkins. And I kept looking to the right of him because there's a picture of his, his wife or girlfriend at the time. I just kept looking at it. <laughs> and halfway through, he just sort of put the picture down. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I thought, you know, would, would this move still go ahead after that? But no, it did. And, um, yeah, and then I think some of the things I seen when I come in the door, I was, you know, I'd come from, you know, Brentford, uh, sort of old school side togetherness. And it was, it was strange. You could see why they were struggling. And you could see why he, he sort of brought me into bit of an old school, bit of a, a warrior, maybe a bit of a character, I don't know, but that was an honour for me. You know, seen some big players not really performing, I knew that, you know, if I get myself fit, I can contribute to the side and I managed to do that for many years. Because it's taken on almost like a bit of folklore that, that season under Viali with Ramon Vega apparently paying his fine in, in pennies and so Watford supporters look back on that and really wince. Was it was it that bad and were all those sort of stories well, true? That's probably one of the first things I saw. It was like I turned up, I'd spoken to the coaches, uh, they showed me around the training ground, and I remember walking into the uh, the corridor, and Ramon's coming about 10, 15 minutes late with a £50 note stuck to his head. I'm thinking, <laughs> what's going on here? And I just said to one of the lads, you know, what, what's, what's going on? And he said, oh, he's been fine, but obviously he's, he's just, that's the way he's taking it, and, you know, that sort of, to the coach, which I thought was disrespectful. Um, and then I'd see him training, and I remember, Ray, we were doing a shooting session, and just kept kicking balls over the goals and like laughing and running off. And Ray Wilkins was like talking to him like, oh, come on, Ramon, just try for us. And I was thinking, this isn't right. This, this isn't the right mentality to have. Regardless if, you know, you, you're not wanted or you're going to be professional. Um, and that's why it took a little bit of time for those players to come out of the club. And it was for the better. And you, and you obviously went on to captain Watford and we'll, we'll come on to talk about one of those particularly memorable days as that. But as captain... And you see Ramon Vega doing that. You see there some of the other players swinging the lead a little bit, little bit. Is that your job as captain to step in and say, "Come on, fellas, shape up"? Yeah, hundred um, percent. You know, I just walked in the door, so I'm not going to do that as soon as I walk in. But I think with with the managers I I sort of played under, they knew what they were going to get from me. Um, they knew I'd keep the dressing room in house as well. I keep it in order. There's certain times I had to pull certain players. I remember one one sort of Saturday because under Boothroyd we used to have to be in every single Sunday. Regardless if we played Sunderland and away on the Saturday or we'd get us in first thing Sunday morning, 8 o'clock. I remember Marlon King came in. He must have slept in his car because he'd been out the night before in his you know, leather jacket and stuff. <laughs> and we were warming down on the, uh, on the training ground and AD wouldn't come in on the, uh, on the Sunday. He'd bring in his fitness coach, Martin. So Marlon didn't want to get changed and just ended up running around <laughs> the training pitch in his leather jacket. <laughs> Um, and I actually pulled him afterwards and said that is bang out of order disrespecting me the manager um, I think I had to find him two weeks wage after that so yeah sometimes you have to pull players in and, and have a word with them but that's why 
I think it's important that you've got that link between the players and the management, and that's what uh, especially under AD. So with AD, high points, low points. Which one do you want to go for first? Uh, no, I mean the thing is, I got on really well with AD, and I still do. Um, I still see him now around the Midlands. Um, we still catch up. He's actually apologised to me. Um, yeah. You know the reason why I left the club and the timing of it. I think was a little bit. I was disappointed with, but listen, that, that's football. Um, you know, maybe I was too not strong on my opinions, but I thought I had that relationship where I could be open with him. Be, you know what the players are saying and what I was thinking. And, you know, he either takes it on board or he doesn't. You know, I'd still play for him. I'd still give everything I've got for him. But I just think he just got a little bit ahead of himself, and he'll probably, you know, admit that himself. He did, I we interviewed him about four months ago, and okay. he said exactly that. You know, you can see he was ten years on since he'd been at the club, and he was almost thinking. I felt anyway, having talked to him, he was thinking. You know, the next step and even though he'd bought John Eustace who was similar to you yeah, yeah. he'd gone he'd done things a bit too quick yeah I think you know at the time we were the favourites to go down weren't we that season when we ended up going up so and everyone was talking about the new Mourinho and this and that but I think I think AD I think looking back now even if he'd said to me I understand if he wasn't giving me going to give me another contract if we'd gone up but at least keep me at the club and say look you know if we don't go up you know, you, you know, great. You've you've been a great servant. I'll let you go to the club you want. Um, if you do go up, you get a. I don't know, just a bonus or whatever. You know, incentives. Because yeah. in the day, if I'd have left Watford, get promoted as a captain on your CV, you know, he'd open more doors for clubs and stuff. So, um, but yeah, but that's that's hindsight. That's mm. football. And, and then with the playoff final, um, we've heard a lot about what's what's happened in the tunnel at the, the game, the preparation. Did you know you were going to win or at what point did you realise you were going to win the game? If I'm being honest, I mean, I played over five, 500 odd games. Um, that's the only game I've really thought, even at the hotel the night before, there's no way we can lose this. Because AD was massive on just that mentality and getting everyone believing they could achieve something. Um, and we had some good characters, you know, experienced players as well. Malcolm Mackay had been promoted, I think, two or three times beforehand. So, and AD did a thing where he got us in um, in a room and you had to write on a piece of paper a name of one of the players and put in a hat he'd shake up the hat then you pick up one of the names out and then you have to speak about that player so obviously him doing that thinking back now it's just going to be whatever name you get you're going to big that player up and he's going to feel 10 foot tall when he leaves the room but at the time you're just thinking it's one of his team talks he's always trying to mix it up um, I actually got Ashley Young's and I said, um, I said, one of the hardest working players I've worked with will go to the top, will represent and play for his country. And that's when the lads are like, flipping hell, skipping hell, what's that <laughs> um, But I knew Ashley would feel 20 foot tall going out of that room. And um, I think I was right, wasn't I? So, yeah. But ev- everyone who spoke about the players, it was, and then we was in the changing room beforehand, just looking around the lads and then the story of Marlon King. You know, regarding you know if, if if Butler's playing, I'm going to run him into the ground. And um, but yeah, you could just and then in the tunnel up the front, and I could just hear the noise and the grunts and the groans. And Leeds were quite quiet. I was thinking, oh, there's no way we're going to lose this. Um, and the rest is history. And it was, it was an incredible performance. It was a complete performance, wasn't it? it? Got the early goal and then just never took the foot off the off the off the net, did they? But do you know what annoys me about that? We just talked, spoke to Rob Page. He got to lift the trophy. Royal box at Wembley. We had one. Of, you had one of these funny little yeah, things. Was, yeah, Did yeah. that annoy you? <laughs> um, to be fair, you know, I went to bed the night before the game and I was thinking to myself, if we win tomorrow, 
I'm going to be the first person of all them people in that stadium to get my hands on that trophy. Um, so I'm not really thinking about the stage and I would have been absolutely off the roof to get that trophy. I don't know. <laughs> but I remember, I remember going up on the stage and I said to uh, AD, come on, you, you lift it with me because I knew exactly what he'd done that season from the pre-season all the way through. His contribution was amazing and that's why you know, we, we achieved something that we weren't expected to achieve and it was down to him. When you do get your hands on that thing, for us it's sort of like we get the goosebumps thinking about it, it's the boyhood dream. Is that the moment when you're holding it that you realise this is what we've done or is it in the days after or is it the final whistle? Um, I mean, there's certain parts of that, that game where I didn't really... When we, when we ended up coming to the ground and turned the corner before the game, that's when I saw the Watford fans and I thought, wow, that's when it really sunk in. And then as you're warming up and you're just seeing the crowd, you're not really thinking about it because your mind's on the game. Um, and then when we had to line up before the game, that's when I really looked round and thought, wow, you know, we need to do this here. Um, so there's certain parts that you remember really, really well, and that's one of them. In a changing afterwards, when I just sat there and the trophies in my lap and I was looking around, the lads I was thinking, and then on the coach, the coach on the way back to the hotel, that was um, something special. So rounding off our trio of our triumvirate, I've been desperate to use that word, of, uh, of interviews was Dennis Booth, the guy who came the same path, Lincoln to Watford with Graham Taylor, synonymous with that, with that time frame, so fascinating to talk with him. Uh, a really interesting interview, this one. <laughs> Hopefully you'll enjoy it as much as we did uh, spending the time in his, uh, in his company. Dennis Booth, ladies and gentlemen. You, you just finished on stage, Dennis, in uh, front of a Watford crowd, been a while. Are they, are they, are they the same? It's fantastic to be back. It's a great club. Uh, I didn't realise when I was down here with Charlton Athletic, played here in the late 60s when I think Keith, Eddie and people that were playing. But when I came down with Graham, uh, and they were in the fourth division, weren't they then? He could sense something was going to happen. And the, the fans we were getting, I think we got 20-odd thousand to watch Halifax or somebody or Hartlepool on the New Year's Day. You know, in the, in the stadium. And you could, you could. Just, I remember saying to my wife, this, this place is going somewhere. I, I knew I probably wouldn't be there at the end, which I wasn't, but I could certainly be on that first journey. And the fans were fantastic, great set. Because it was all like London fans and all that. They, they were fantastic, yeah. Fantastic. What, what was it that made you think they were going to go places? Because obviously you were right, it was the start of with something Graham, incredible. I worked with Graham at Lincoln. <clears throat> and I was just saying up there that when, you, when, you, when I started it, I mean, I left home at 15 and went to London, which I might as well have gone to the moon because, you know, leaving a mining village, going to London. And all it was then, I got in the first team when I was 17, but all you did, you trained Monday morning, you trained Tuesday, you had Wednesday off, trained Thursday, trained Friday, team sheets went up, five team sheets. There was no pattern of play, there was no shape, there was no free kicks. That was it, you go there. Oh, in the reserves day. This fella, who started doing things in the week, how we were going to play, set plays, free kicks, corners... I'd never had that. A lot of us had been higher up, Charlton, Sheffield Wednesday, Big Sam Ellis. And we brought us together and you could just send we're going. And we were, we were exciting. We scored goals. We didn't really bother about... Well, he obviously wanted us to defend, but it wasn't based on defence. And yet he was a left-back. It was all about forward play, hitting areas, getting shots in, getting crosses in. And he brought that down here, didn't he, with him? And it, it was great to watch, wasn't it? So, so Graham was genuinely unique in, the, in that respect so. then? I think so, yeah. Because all the other managers, I mean, I had Bob Stokoe was a, a great man, fight the world, and you know, typical, but we didn't do any tactics. We never never did any pattern of shape or this will be the team, you know. Graham had named the team sometimes on a Monday. 
Monday morning and go, we're going to work on this. This is the team for Saturday, and we work on it. Brilliant, brilliant. So when you when he made you when you came to Watford and he made you uh, captain, what do you think it was about you personally that he saw in you that gave him the, the sort of the trust in I was you? A good player, young man. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> I don't know really. <laughs> Maybe because I like Toby Cooper. Uh, I'd been, I'd done it at Lincoln, Lincoln with him. Yeah. He come naturally to me. I've always been a talker and organiser and that sort of thing. I mean, Sam did it for a while, didn't he? Mm-hmm. But then Sam was like coming to the end of his his career. Really, like his face was blowing up when it with all the spots on it. Samba, you know, bait being face Sam, and uh, <laughs> just natural thing. And you've got, I've just asked that question. You've got to have respect from the players. You can't be a big time, Charlie. And no. you've got to know when to do and say this, like Gaffer, I'll sort that out. And, and he trusted me. You know, if there's something wrong, sort Brian Pollard out. <laughs> I, I watched you uh, during that period, and and of course it was a sort of takeoff launch point for the club. I've been mm. I'd been coming since the late sixties with my mum, mm. and we've been sort of fourth division, and there'd been a promotion yeah. with Furphy. I think they even got into the uh, into the yeah, that into, into the. Was it Liverpool wasn't it, in the FA Cup? No, United, the one all, the one yeah. all, and then then yeah. and they'd gone up. Yeah, Barry Endy, he was he was an absolute Maybe hero Barry. of mine. Did you? Maybe Barry, Barry Endy, yeah. Barry Endy, Barry Endy, oh, <laughs> thick as shit. <laughs> <laughs> so great lander. So so when you arrived and, and then this thing this thing started to happen. So you got back to back promotions, which is really quite a rare uh, thing. Although Graham managed to pull it off again when he came back for his second uh, yeah. second period. What was the feeling at the club then? Suddenly, like, oh my God, we're in a winning team. We're winning twenty six games out of forty, whatever it was. We're going up. We're going up again. I mean, jumping up. What was it like? I thought I had a feeling that he might have broke the side up a little bit early because I went. You went in Rod- eighty, yeah. Roger Jocelyn went. Andy Rankin, who was, and I think later on, if I remember, because when I moved back uh, to the Midlands, he took me to Aston Villa. I moved from Hull to to the Midlands, to, to a village near Burton, and I worked with Graham there. We talked about it, and he said then to me one night, he broke the side up a bit too early. Because he brought in good players, Malcolm Poskett, Mickey Henderson, Will Frostron. But it was a big change, you know. And he said, I maybe should have. And I said, yeah, go on, say it. Forget me. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, it, it did go, yeah, probably done. But, it just, but, but in the end, it worked out. Could you, could you talk to Graham? He spoke to Gavin Marn and he spoke about how he sort of would have a two-way conversation oh. with, with AD. If you had an idea about how the side should be playing or anything like that could you approach Graham with that sort of stuff oh yeah well I I probably did more than I should have done sometimes because I remember he'd been offered the Burnley job we didn't know this we were sitting in a, we're sitting in the hotel at York ready to, after our meal waiting you know for Graham to come and give his talk he, he had to leave the room and apparently he'd been approached by Burnley and when he came into he didn't tell me till afterwards but he came into the room and we all like just sat waiting and he said I've always wanted to do that. Come into a room and say nothing. And I went, yeah, I've always wanted you to do that. <laughs> did talk, did he? He could talk. Pagey, could he? Yeah. Gaffer. <laughs> I remember we got beat. This is when we were third of inside. We got beat. Remember, we got beat semi-final at Forest. First leg. They were European champions. Pissing out, I've on goal it. But rankings, I thought, don't give me an own goal. Like. But I got away with it. So we lost 3-1. Next day, he's got us in. Used to have a wash your own kit down a big bag. And he's gone, I tackled us. So he said, you pulled out of that. I went, what? He said, you pulled out. T- I said, he went, I said, I said, you're 50 yards away in a dugout and you're trying to tell me what I did. 
He said, yeah, I said, well, you fucking, you know, because I have a go. He went, go on, get out. I went, yeah, I will do. <laughs> I got my bag. I went, yeah, I'll fly. And big bag, and I walked down Tolpits Lane to the Wizard. <laughs> he went, yeah, get out. I said, no, you will get out. <laughs> and then we, we, <clears throat> we drew with them up. I think it was on the ice. We drew with them down here, nil-nil. But we knocked out. We put all the A on the, to get rid of the, the frost, then put an A on it. But, I mean, that was, we were a third division side, and, you know, Forest, I think, were European champions. But we, we had us rooks and all that, and I used to say what I felt. So like, when, you, when you left in 1980, was it with a bit of a heavy heart? Did you realise you were sort of leaving something that was going to... Well, like I say to me, he said to me, I think he wanted me to go on, the, like Big Sam had moved on, he wanted me to do some coaching and playing, but I wanted to play, I thought, I'm, I want to still play at 31. I think it was Burnley, because we beat Burnley the last game of the season, 4-0. He'd left me out, hadn't he? Because I went into the players' lounge and watched the old, the old KR and OFC Rugby League Cup final. And I'm a big old cake fan now. And I remember that, and uh, he, he come up to me and said, Oh, Burnley. I went, Well, he said, Brian, I've just been talking to Brian Talbot, was it? Well, not Brian Talbot, Brian, big, big centre half used to play for Burnley. And it was Burnley, and then Old City came in with Mike Smith. The thing was, Graham was very clever with money. I got a load more money going to Old City than leaving Watford, a second division club, to go north to third division club. More wages and everything. So he was quite cute, like, really, all that. Because my missus went, what are you going to ask for? I said, I'm going to ask you, you can't ask for that. They want me, I will. And I went, he went, what do you want? I want, uh, he went, yeah, that's all right. I went, I knew you guys should have asked for more. <laughs> <laughs> you do, don't you? I mean, I went straight away, yeah, that's all right. I said, I want me, yeah, that was it. Couldn't sell me arse in Watford. I think they did something about that. So. But I did regret leaving, and I'm just saying there, I haven't said it on the stage, but I, I played one game for Hull City. It was Grimsby in the Umberside Cup, and I was in the pub. And, and the missus gone, Have you got on? I said, We've lost. No, I said, We won 1 0. She said, Oh, that's all right. I said, We'll get relegated. She said, Well, I could just sense it. You've been with a club like this, seen a man, and no disrespect to Mark Smith, he was a lovely man, but I could just sense it. Oh, he did go down. We're here to launch the, the captain's book. So, you as captain of Watford, to wrap up, what's your favourite moment or match as, as captain of Watford Football Club? <laughs> There's a bird lives over the road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not your mum, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. I'm not best with it. Uh, I would think Manchester United, the night we beat Manchester United, when, uh, you know, I was a big Man United fan. Growing. We all had teams, didn't we? My dad was there, he was dead now, but he was there. before the law was there. The funny thing was that day, we went up on the day as well. We travelled on the day. We stayed at this hotel like a... They're like chalets, really. There was a big pub, and then there was all these little rooms. And I remember me and Arthur Rankin, Andy, was laying bed because we smoked. You see, I used to what's it? Me and Arthur was having a fag, and we had a couple. Of, and he woke up like he went, "Oh dear!" I said, he went, "What do you think?" I said, "We'll get murdered tonight." <laughs> he went, "Yeah, I think we will as well." I went, "Yeah, I think we will," but we didn't. We won two one because being a Man United fan, they had a good side. You know, I mean, the goalie wasn't the best. Uh, Paddy Roach, that was it. Yeah. But the others, McQueen and things. Luther run. I mean, who's it? Give me man of the match on the telly. What's it? Uh, the ball that fella who's then the commentator. But Luther was Luther run him ragged. He couldn't cope with Luther's pace. But that was a big night, and I got some the turf at the end and got it in a little. What's it for my son? I think it's just it's all date now. <laughs> but the thing was there. We having a drink there, and they went, "Can you go now?" The boss, you went, "Sleep." Do you know you've just won at Old Trafford, and they're like miserable bastards, like kicked us out. But we had to. Helton was on the bus with the, that bear, Kiki D, is it? Kiki D, yeah. Yeah, she was on. They were on the bus as well. 
So that was a big night. She yeah. must have wondered what on earth she was doing there. <laughs> Uh, that night, uh, Manchester United was a. We deserved to win it, didn't we? You remember, went the fluke, and then we got. I say, went got beat by Forest. Yeah, the ball's loose. One, I miss it. One looks, you know, when you miss it, I miss it. I thought that's. It, and it looks, it looks like I used to go start keepers, and they go, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, I said, I that with me toe. But Luther, Luther and them ragged. Just wanted to ask about Luther. So when Luther came into the side, he was very, very young. When you first started training with him or seeing him play. Did you know straight away? Because obviously he's very close to our hearts because he's got the most appearances, most goals. Was he was he immediately a kind of was he immediately a no, presence he, he, or did he grow? Up? Luther was on the right wing. I think we played up. I think my first game was at Hartlepool. Keith Mercer played up front with Ross Jenkins. Remember Keith Stocky, yeah. and Keith he, he got Luther was playing on the right wing. But then Graham went out and bought Brian Pollard because I remember one day he was up in. We used to go up to that thing in it Monday morning, didn't we? That gym. We're doing this popularity. He, he's got Brian Pollard, and I remember him pulling Luther and saying, "You have made me go out and buy him," like because Luther wasn't doing it. And Brian Pollard came in. <coughs> Luther stepped out. He's playing on the right wing. I, I thought he was doing all right. He was only a kid. And then we played Newcastle <clears throat> down here, and we beat them two 0 And Keith Mercer went off with. Was he suffering with pneumonia? He, he was really he struggling really badly. He looked awful after the match, you know, his eyes. And Luther went on and I think he scored both goals. And that was it. Keith never got back. I think sold him to Blackpool. Although he had problems with his knee, didn't he, after that? Yeah. Luther went on and played for England, didn't he? I've got his under... I've got more shirts, none of mine. Uh, I've got his shirt from the under-23s 20, then. And he gave me his AC Milan shirt as well. Because he used to come to our house... And he, got, he got some awful stick, didn't he? Though from the fans, Luther, oh. Luther, Luther, miss it and all that. And he used to stay behind. I said, Luther, just hit in. I said, don't just get there, just get the net, get the empty net, it, just kick it in the net. Just, just I said, don't get too uptight. But they did get some stick. But he was a good player, he's a good lad, smashing lad. We're the Orns, you're the Orns. Come on, you Orns. Afterwards, uh, we had a good chat with uh, the host of the evening, Adam Leventhal. Adam, been here before, many times we now. Uh, and this was uh, three uh, former Watford captains over many decades. You know, we're, we're from the 70s right the way through to the noughties. Again, a, a, a Watford crowd of, of love, of passion for Watford. Mm-hmm. Um, for you on stage, we'll talk about the, the end in, in a bit, but how, how was it for you? Yeah, it was good. It was um, obviously... It was a, sh- a shame that we were a man down with John Eustace not able to be here. So uh, I felt that, you know, I had to just sort of try and ease any disappointment to start off with. And I'm very conscious of that because we don't want anyone to be upset about it. But once we got cracking, I thought it was it was really good. And, and what I, I enjoyed, I think, similar to the last one, the first half is a very different pace to the second half. Mm. And you can go into more detail with the individuals by having the one-on-one interviews. And I thought... Tonight, maybe for the first time, we, we covered quite broad issues as well in football. And I quite enjoyed doing that, talking about, you know, the split between academy players and, and first team players and how it's different to now to what it was in, you know, in Dennis's era, but even in Rob and Gavin's eras. And just talking in general about, you know, life after football and, and things like that. And I think we got a good insight yeah. into some, some really interesting 
factual things and then Dennis took over with his one man <laughs> show because <laughs> they've all they've all stayed around football yes. you know and, and that's a rarity I think sometimes when you with all the guests you sort of have yeah. um, but they've all went into coaching or, or as, as Gavin is he's a you know working for agency mm. and developing people but Dennis was definitely of another era yeah he, he was <laughs> and obviously came up with that great line that you know we won the World Cup in my era yeah. so uh, <laughs> I think that he's he's a great character full of beans from the minute he arrived and I think as we've seen with quite a lot of the, the players that come back from yesteryear when they come back in they just everything all these memories start coming back and it's just great to see the glint in his eye and he got emotional in the in the first half and then he just kicked in with his you know his, his stand-up in the in the second so it was, <laughs> yeah it was it was great to have him on board and I think you know for a lot of people that came if they're from you know if they're my age younger they wouldn't they wouldn't have seen him play they wouldn't necessarily know much about him what he sounds like what his character's like and that's the that's the great thing that we have a chance to showcase people that come back and are able to reconnect so yeah it was, it was great lots of water fans didn't see him at bailey's nightclub no. uh, in the late <laughs> late 70s because no. yeah, we're lucky enough to talk to the guests that you have on and when we yeah. we talk to them they do start talking about Watford. They do lapse into a very. It's almost like it's quite romantic mm. remembering about Watford. They don't put it on, do they? These guys have real, genuine, fond memories of this place, don't they? Well, yeah. I mean, Dennis certainly does have a fixation about Bailey's nightclub, <laughs> 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 which was great. Good. He's got a lot of good material. But no, I think genuinely, genuinely, there is that. There's that connection that never goes away. And I think even with you know with with Gavin, when you've been under a, a a club structure that includes the likes of Elton John and you're getting calls like that those are moments that you're going to tell your grandkids about and you know you might be at a club spend two years there nothing significant happens in terms of ups and downs in the table didn't necessarily win a promotion but all the guys there won a promotion some won more than one and had highlight moments at Watford so you're always going to have that stronger feeling I think do these nights remind you just how lucky we are to be Watford supporters? Because you talk about Dennis Booth, he arrived in 77, synonymous with, with GT arriving from Lincoln. You're looking across at Robert Page, who we've all sort of watched again and again and again, lift the trophy at Wembley. And the same with Gavin Marne, that's slightly more... Uh, well, that's the best way to describe that trophy lift? Um, a chaotic? A mess. <laughs> well, I'll, let's be... Uh, yeah, a mess. It was a mess. But we've watched those again and again and again. So in this room, we've had GT and that whole story. And we've got two two trophy lifts for a club a provincial club yeah. and as you sitting up here on stage do you get a time to sort of revel in that no <laughs> I, I don't I, honestly though but funny you should say that you saying it now and uh, one of the guys that was watching in the audience came up to me just literally as the show was ending and said oh I see you've got a great job being a Watford fan mm-hmm. and you get to meet all these heroes how, how lucky are you? and I and it's it's at moments when I get to sort of sit back and maybe, you know, talking to my son about Watford and some of the former players that I've met and he'll have top trumps. And now, you know, I was able to introduce him to Ross Jenkins and take him round to his mum's house in, in Sheen. He was too shy to say anything to Ross Jenkins, but that's all he ever talks about. I met, I met Ross Jenkins. And, you know, I think that that's, that's, what, it's, that's what it's all about. And from my point of view, to, to, be, to be in this position to interview these guys and sort of be a channel sometimes when, you know, we're taking audience questions some which are cheeky and get me into all sorts of trouble (laughs) but um you know be that channel through 
it's almost like being in a seance you know I, i'm sort of <laughs> channeling the fans questions through and and getting to ask these great guys questions and they always love the nights i don't know there's, there's not been one of our guests that have gone right yeah cheers see you later yeah, <laughs> cheers didn't enjoy that i'll see you later um they all they all love it and I think it's, it's, a, you know, it's just great to be here and, and the, the view that they get. You don't often sit in a theatre as a guest. No, and, no, no. you know, it's, I think it's... I'm, I'm in a very priv- privileged position, not only to be a Watford fan, but to be able to host these events because it's, you know, it's, it's a joy. We're launching the new book, uh, yeah. the seventh volume, uh, Tales of Vicarage, The Captains. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, a series of each chapter is a different captain from, say, from Dennis all the way through to Troy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes it is and it's obviously you, you've got Mike Walters at the helm and he is able to sort of take you on different strands and different stories per captain for example it, you know there's, there's a lovely line at the beginning of the, the Keith Eddy chapter where he says you know 1966 was a, a great year for football because Keith Eddy joined Watford um, and some of the other chapters that might go down different alleys where captains didn't have a great time to start off with but then things went really well um with you know dennis's time you learn a lot about his character and the the way that he got everyone ticking in the in the dressing room and his as we saw this evening just the way he is will have got everyone enjoying life gavin Mann, it's a, it's a different story rob page he had a different path came from wales all that sort of stuff so and and troy's in there as well so it's a rum mix because it's, it's not like these are the best captains. These are the only captains. They are 11 captains. We could have had, I don't know, John McClelland in there, but he's already been in one of the other books. We could have had Sean Dyche in there, for example. But these are 11 captains, and I think um, it's a... It, it, I'm going to obviously say that, but it's a great collection. And when you read it, you're just like, oh, I love my club. I love, I love those. I love those guys. I really love them. <laughs> well, I do anyway. <laughs> From the rookery end. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, thank you to Gavin, Rob, and of course Dennis uh, for their time uh, backstage, and to Adam Leventhal and all the all the guys from uh, Tales from the Vicarage who give us this access, uh, and hopefully these podcasts uh, give those who weren't able to make it tonight a taste of what goes on. The new book is out uh, and available uh, online uh, at the Hornet Shop and at Waterstones in Watford. Written by Mike Walters uh, and perfect Christmas present for a Hornet. We're back next week when Watford take on Liverpool at Vicarage Road. Uh, and uh, we've also got a fans forum this week, uh, which we'll, uh, we'll see what happens and what is said at Vicarage Road. But as ever, come on, you horns. Come on, you horns.